Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. And today we are in Venice, California, and we'll be speaking with Gustavo Bulgach and the Klezmer Juice Band after I talk to you about Margaret. I have a custom-made, handmade acoustic guitar I've named Margaret. She has the tonal quality of a name-brand high-end guitar, which we will remain nameless here. Well, this baby fits my hand perfectly with that mahogany neck, glides easily when I play it, but what I love most is the low-end sustain. I think it might still be ringing from the first open E chord I ever played when I first got her. She was built for me by Joe Mendel of Joe Mendel's Frets, one of our sponsors of the Music of America. A maple bridge and fretboard with a veneer zircote headstock. I think it's the spruce body, though, that gives it its resonance and sustain. Just a beautiful looking, beautiful sounding guitar, all custom made for me from Joe Mendel's Frets. JoeMendelsFrets.com. A man of many names, Gustavo, you go by the band name Klezmer Jews. You say people call you Bulgi? That's correct. Bulgi. And I'm just going to call you Gustavo because it, I just think it's such a cool, cool name. Your musical style, without jumping right into it, your musical style is more Latino, right? It is a fusion between a lot of different uh uh places in history and and time i am a um an argentine born and raised and i call myself latino of course i play latin music all my life i also play rock and all that kind of pop when you're in your 20s my family is uh, a jewish family that fled ukraine in the late teens 18 19 or 18. Hmm. my grandfather left uh kiev and long later, he landed in Argentina, and he was the president of a Jewish congregation there, where myself and my brother used to hang out when the, we were kids, and they had a Yiddish orchestra. It was a 13-piece Yiddish orchestra, because, you know, Jewish centers do a lot of uh, cele celebrations, you know, weddings, Christmas, sure. and stuff. So this orchestra will start playing in different formats, but they will play Friday night service, Saturday morning, then Saturday afternoon party, Saturday evening, a, a wedding for sure, Sunday afternoon, another one, and Sunday evening, another one. So they were really tight. And to me and my brother, they were like beyond the Beatles, you know, we were like, yeah. we were looking at these people, they were alive and there and playing, and it was a little orchestra and full of great musicians. So among all the all the place the rivers that merge into this musical sea you know i i have learned a lot of different styles since childhood that i wasn't paying attention until later on in life uh -huh. you know as a teenager maybe you know and i play i like i used to like more saxophone than clarinet i played them both i also play flute but my thing was i want to look good with a saxophone you know <laughs> anyway so i practiced the saxophone a lot my music teacher who was at the time my mentor in argentina named victor he will push me also to practice clarinet because he said clarinet is like the basics of all woodwinds so if you can play clarinet you will have a a perfect approach to any other instrument so i stick with the clarinet and then in 92 i get a a scholarship to move to uh, Boston to go to uh, Berkeley College of Music. Wow. But I had a very good friend that lived in New York, so I moved to New York a few months before, and I fell in love with all that, you know, rush. And to my disadvantage, when I moved to Boston, I was ready to move back to New York. So <laughs> a week later, <laughs> I know. A week later, I moved back to New York and I transferred that scholarship I had to a summer course at Manhattan School of Music. 
then like all musicians you know i was 26 years old i got a call from my homeland in buenos aires to do a summer tour then so i went back to argentina and in like february of 93 i got a call from california from another band uh, called los iracundos and uh, i came i packed again came to la and when i landed in la i was like is so different and yeah. so appealing to me. So I didn't know I was such a hippie, you know. <laughs> but, but if you know where to go in LA, very quickly you 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 meet the right people and you start playing um, professional, semi-professional gigs. You know, in the, in the early '90s, it was a lot of work. So I also do teaching. So I started teaching and doing this and that, and I think I worked with this Latin band for a few months and then they were very unorganized and they it, it will be a waste of my time so I quit and uh and I stick I, I stuck in in LA with with another three musicians we were a, a quartet basically playing uh whatever we could but we were playing on a Saturday evenings at a coffee shop in Culver City and we call ourselves Black Coffee and Jam and we had the idea was like to jam. We had yeah. some guidelines because we play with each other. I mean, we play together. Sorry, so much <laughs> that those things were there. But we had a communication that was really great. So every Saturday we'll play a few hours, you know, make money on a tip jar and stuff. And one Saturday, I think it was probably ninety four or ninety five. I don't remember very well, but somebody approached us. This lady came and she said, I am going to become the general manager of the House of Blues on Sunset Boulevard. And we are looking for a house band. Would you guys be interested? And we were like, sure. <laughs> we didn't know what it was then. They were uh -huh. making, building it up and stuff. And, and, all of a sudden, the quartet, you know, bass, guitar, drums, and myself mm -hmm. will be the core band of the House of Blues, of the International House of Blues house band. So we started doing different things. They, they used to have, it wasn't a play, it was like multimedia presentation about the place itself, the history of slavery. Some actors would like play different parts, take um, mostly kids from school to all the three floors, and which is it was filled up with art and, and culture and stuff. And it was really important. So at the end of that, the actors will do a little play near the stage. And then the band will go on stage and play some, some tunes and explain to them, you know, the identity of the blues join, you know, ask them to join us to sing the blues on stage. It was really good. It was really, really, uh, not that I'm thinking about it, it was like amazing. Uh -huh. And we did that three days a week during the morning right between 10 and 1. wow but what we really needed to do another thing when they first started it you know it was they started booking the place and booking up and down because everybody wanted to play international artists were also being brought to la and it was like very eclectic very amazing but on monday nights they have they have the house of blues uh blues jam it okay. was some sort of like a local blues jam. And we were in charge of, uh, you know, being the house band and and then take care of the guest musicians that would come. You know, you sign up in, the, in a piece of paper and they call you and, you know, and then it becomes completely out of control. But, you know, that kind of thing. Almost like a karaoke thing then, right? It was like a jam. Not a karaoke, it's a jam. You know, we will play and and then we will get off stage and we will be replaced by other musicians who wanted to play oh i got you see i thought you meant that you guys would be playing and then say tom pollard walks in i put my name on the list and then i want to do a song with it and then yeah. i'm playing with you guys to me that's what that was not necessarily then you will get on stage another drummer will get on stage but let me tell you who got on stage um, johnny guitar watson will be there every wow. month Oh, Johnny Guitar Watson, man. Do you remember when he died on stage in Japan? I remember hearing oh, about him. Oh, my God. How much we loved him. So yeah. much. He was the father of us all. He was, oh, my God. I asked you right before we started the interview about the Klezmer Juice Band, and you said, oh, ask me before I forget. Before yeah, we because, get 
derailed on something here. Let's I just want to. I just want to give you a little background that I am not only a one-trick pony. Or that's the only thing I do. Or why this klezmer music, which is Jewish soul music, doesn't follow the regular tradition faithfully as other bands. Okay. You know, is I'm trying to fuse all that stuff. You know, that's okay. something I hit because a good melody can survive any style of music, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's the key. And are you on clarinet now or saxophone? Or you go back and forth or what's your predominant instrument now? Predominant in terms of like, which instrument makes me the most rich? Yeah. <laughs> not, necess <laughs> not necessarily. Well, maybe we can go down that road. I was just thinking like, what instrument? If somebody says, oh, you've got to go see this guy named Gustavo. He's such a good blank player. Would you be known more as a sax player or a clarinet player? I'll be more known as a clarinet player because my saxophone playing is great, but there's so many amazing saxophone players out there. Gotcha. The clarinet world is divided in two big worlds, the gigantic sun of classical music and then everything around, folk music, ethnic music. You know, in Europe, they're using more than in America that clarinet was important in Dixieland music in big band, but after that it faded away somehow. In America, people either play classical clarinet or not. I mean, you know, you uh -huh. go to Fest and it's 90% of people playing classical stuff. But it's not my approach. I use it as some sort of like a, you know, clarinet fits klezmer music really well. I mean, the, the whole idea. So what is, what is klezmer music? Klezmer music is... Today is like an umbrella. I'm going to start by saying it's Jewish soul music, uh -huh. mostly rooted in Ashkenazi Europe, in Eastern Europe a few centuries ago. But okay. things moved so much in the last hundred years, right? Jews oh, moved yeah. from Europe to America, to South America, to Africa, to Australia. Even the state of Israel was built after 48. So today, Klezmer is referring like salsa. It's like an umbrella where people who don't really know Latin music, they say salsa and it's like, oh, let's go dance salsa. But if you come closer to it, you see that salsa is like an umbrella name. I was trying Please. to figure out like the songs we're going to be listening to, uh, Catalina's Dance, Guapo, and Libresco Tango. Yeah. Uh, obviously, tango is a tango, right? Uh, Guapo sounds more salsa. Catalina's Dance sounds more bossa nova. Is that Well, ta Guapo is more like a cha-cha-cha. It's a cha-cha. Because that's the idea. Salsa is like an umbrella. Inside of that umbrella, you get wawanko, boleros, cha-cha-cha, samba, and so many other things that becomes what we know as salsa. Right. Klezmer music is kind of like the same thing. You say klezmer to refer to Jewish music, but inside of it, you got Ashkenazi and Sephardic worlds, the Israeli world, and everything in between. And mostly you have to put all that kind of stuff into wedding music. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> because you know, sometimes I go play a, um, an event, uh, you know, a concert. Two things happen to me when I play klezmer concerts. The first thing is I'm kind of like wonder when are these people going to get up and dance? <laughs> when are these people going to get up and dance? I, I, I'm making an extraordinary effort <laughs> to make them at least applaud louder. And <laughs> I don't conceive a klezmer concert or, or, or a music performance without people dancing. That's actually very interesting. There's an artist that I, I know personally that we were at a winery and she was performing and everybody was chatting and she's, she's went, <clears throat> excuse me. They're hiring us to entertain you. So please give me your attention. And she did it in a much more tactful way than what I just portrayed. But that's so different because you sense your room by people responding by getting up and dancing. She senses the room by people listening. The ocean of music is such an adventurous. <laughs> Everything is valid. I mean, I conceive music for listening and for dancing. And, uh, and I understand, I mean, you know, you have to, to grow a second skin when you're a performer, understanding that, you know, you may go play to a place that they have a TV on and people are watching the game. Right. Zero attention. But that's valid too. Nothing is wasted. Why? Because the story I told you of the House of Blues, we were playing for tips 
at mm -hmm. a coffee shop in Culver City. It's, you know, the most obscured thing. But if we will be thinking no one is going to come and no one cares, we will probably wouldn't be there, you know, so you're missing right. out. Right. The right. best thing about this is just go out and play. I take my saxophone sometimes and I go play at the boardwalk in Venice and I play with, you know, the stores have big speakers and they play this cheesy music and whatever. <laughs> I, I stand up next to it and I just blow a few saxophone lines, challenging myself sometimes in the most bizarre ways. Like, you know, I bring CDs and I go like, okay, how long would it take for me to sell a CD? You know, <laughs> now it's almost impossible. But and then I go like, how long would it take for me to get a tip? You know, so I open the case, uh -huh. all kinds of like music is very entertaining when you are focusing of, on entertaining yourself. You know, you have to be the most the happiest guy there. Who cares who's there? That's right. Who? You're presenting art to people and hope that they appreciate it. But if they don't. You got to appreciate it. They yourself. always appreciate. You have to appreciate. As long as you appreciate, people yeah. will notice it. But if you yeah. go there thinking like, "Oh, I'm such a loser," no, <laughs> no, no, don't go. Go when you think you're not a loser. And you also have to understand, music is not a competition. It sounds like a competition because you know you need an award or you need to be somebody or you know all that kind of egotistical trip, right. but. I'm telling you by working at the House of Blues for seven years that the greatest musicians, and I met them all. I play with Little Richard. I play with everybody in Americans, Europeans, Africans, you name it. We will back up any, any musician who did not have a band. And at that time, they were traveling by themselves or with a manager, and then they will teach us the music a few hours before the showcase, and then we will be playing with them a few songs. So I learn a lot of, and I deal with a lot of people, and I'm telling you, the greatest people are so humble, are so, I don't want to say anybody's name because right. I will keep other people out. Amazing. Well, let I mean, me do, let's do this, because I was going to say, let's play the first song here, and if you want to talk about it a little bit first, or you want me to just go right into it, the song is Catalina's Dance. Is that a composition of your own, or is this a... Uh, this is an original I wrote for my daughter named Carolina when she was born. I spent six months without playing a note after she was born, or taking care of her, whatever. And one day I came back to my studio, I grabbed the soprano saxophone, and that came out. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Just like that. Just like, did you go with the intention of writing a song for your daughter or did you just go with the intention? Yeah, of... yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, inspiration has to have a direction. It doesn't come from nowhere. You just got to be like, after the song, I can I can share with you a little bit, you know, how I get what is called inspiration to write music. Sure. But firstly, let's hear Carolina's dance. Sounds real good. We are with the Klezmer Juice Band, Gustavo Bogach. And the Music of America podcast, and this song is called Catalina's Dance.
Name for his daughter, Catalina's Dance, and that's Gustavo Bogach with the Klezmer Juice Band here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard, and we'll get back and talk a little bit more Klezmer music. Founded back in 1999, an organization called Jazz Generation. They have three contemporary programs that promote both live jazz as an art form and a performing arts as a cultural asset of New York. Those are the Jazz Standard Discovery Program, the Jazz Standard Youth Orchestra, and back in 2014, a program called Keyed Up. It's an anti-poverty program offering services that support professional jazz artists in their performing careers while revitalizing local businesses. All programs are intended to develop a new generation of public audiences and performers. Keyed Up is the most recent program started in 2014, started by rescuing pianos destined for the dumpster and positioning those into these like smaller local venues like coffee shops, whatnot, known more for their hospitality. Then Jazz Generation slash Keyed Up asked the venue to chip in what they could, and then the organization covered the rest of the musicians' expenses for compensation. It's really a cool idea, and if you'd like to help promote jazz in the New York area, check them out. It's at www.jazzgeneration.org. I don't know if they were around while you were there or if you were involved when they were there, but it sounds like such a cool thing. It sounds almost like a, a natural thing for you to be involved in, Gustavo. Have you heard of that before, Jazz Generation? I haven't, but I heard about a lot of different um, organizations that help jazz musicians gotcha. all over the place. Here in L.A., you know, I am a disciple of the greatest Benny Maupin. Yeah, he played with Herbie and... He also recorded the album Beaches Brew with Miles playing. Oh, wow. Yeah, he took me under his tutelage, I should say, and uh, and we remained very close to each other. Actually, I spoke this morning to him. He's doing really well. And he's an amazing person who guided me through a lot of different things. And everything he said I should do, I've done it. And it was a success. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, when I put the first album together, the first Klezmer Juice album together, he he, he gave me guidance about A to Z, what to do, and everything was like exactly as he said, you know. So that's part of maybe your inspiration, which is what we wanted to talk about in this segment. It's not just inspiration, but it's also knowledge and education, right? Like you learn from him some of the techniques that when you are inspired, you can produce the sounds that you produce. It's all together. You know, yeah. we practice together, we play duets, we speak about things. Um, you know, both of us are grown up men. I'm 57 and he's in the eighties, but before then, let's say 10 years ago or f- yeah. Yeah. Maybe 10 years ago when I first started releasing my albums, you know, the, the, the situation in the, in the music industry was different. Mm-hmm. It was of business in in physical music so i i asked him what to do with you know i i pay for everything produce everything i had the master what to do when he said make duplications on your own release it independently because oh. you get more money at, at the end if you make a deal with a company with licensing and distribution instead of the whole thing right so it was exactly like that. I made a thousand copies and I went like, you know, crazy into booking any gig I could to sell the CDs. I went to Amoeba Music. I went to all kinds of stores in LA to offer the album. People will buy five, 10, 10, 10. Anyway, in three months, I sold almost 600. So I had money. Wow. To, I'm telling you. Anyway, but Arc Music International, a, a London-based uh, record company, which holds the uh, the largest catalog in ethnic music, called me and they offered me a distribution deal, more than 100 countries. And I said, sure, show me the love. They sent me $5,000 <laughs> and then another $5,000 to make the second one, and then another $5,000. But I'm not lying to you, Tom. You know, musicians our age, we lived in a, in, in a time and place where you can be an independent recording artist and do really well. I didn't have a record store myself, but I had, I sold a lot of albums 
a lot my own and and i was like the jew with the with the cds on you know under the i sold <laughs> i sold cds in supermarkets i used really? to go to supermarkets said like here i have five cds give me 50 dollars and if you like what do you what do you what do you do call me again i bring you five more and i used to do my own i mean you gotta get creative but at that time you get a little creative and you get like a big push you go like oh my god this is great with klezmer juice we had a big breakthrough because we got called to do a movie called the wedding crashers oh yeah you know the movie. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows the movie. All right, with the Jewish band at the Jewish wedding, period. Uh-huh. That's all it is. They called me. They go like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, they're pranking me. So I went all the way with them. And we did a little home video with a camera to show them, you know, who we were. And then the music supervisor called me. I was like, you know, you guys are in. Come and do the recording. Of course, the deal was horrible, but <laughs> it was really horrible. But they said, look, book the studio you want, you know, make it large and we'll pay for production. So I booked a great <laughs> studio in Hollywood and stuff. It was great. My musicians make $500 for one song. I mean, everybody was making good money, but no residuals. Anyway, it was good. We go to the studio, we are recording. And of course, you know, five minutes later, the six minute song is done. Right, so right, right. <laughs> five minutes later, yeah, the yeah. six-minute song later, is done. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's over. So we go like, okay, let's do it now slow. Now let's do it like a ballad. Now let's do it like a bolero. Now let's right. do it like. So the music supervisor was having a ball. It was like, oh, this is so great. You guys are giving me so much more than I need. Uh, let's take a break and have dinner. All right. So we go to the booth, and when we go to the sound booth, there's three more guys. So one guy introduced himself, hey, my name is such and such. I'm going to be the director of the movie. Said, oh, wow. <laughs> here. And he said, I was expecting, you know, all guys with the beard and the payers, and I see all these hipsters. So what's going on with you guys? I was like, yeah, well, the new generation of this, what's, what's the matter? And he said, I want you guys to be in the movie. I was like, really? Oh, cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you guys to be in the movie on camera. And I was like, I actually brought these two lawyers. He brought two lawyers to sign up papers right there and then. Uh -huh. So we were committed not only to recording, but also to be at the shooting days. Oh, wow. By then I'm thinking like, this is a real prank. So a few months later, we get a call, two days, somewhere, location, let's go. So, you know, I used to play swing music in the 90s with a band called uh, jumping jimes and we would play at the famous um derby in los Feliz every sunday and the movie swingers came out with owen wilson mm -hmm. no owen wilson with uh vince vaughn and all that really? and it became a hit but it's pretty much a documentary of what was going on in la in the early mid 90s it was a whole revival of swing music it was we were dressing like in the era and whatever so when i go to the set of um of our uh, wedding crashers you know i know vince from the derby but now he's a big old ho hollywood actor you know what am i gonna right, say right. hey so anyway we were there you know like posted for the scene on camera whatever and then i hear you Gustav, what are you doing here yeah <laughs> it's Vince bar like coming so rushing and they're like, you're such a star, man. You make me shine right away. It was like, and he told everybody, he's my friend, my friend from the swinging ears. And, you know, That's we so had a cool. great time. It's so cool. So you oh, are on, yeah. you are on the wedding crashers. Now you can see us. If you can sleep between three and six in the morning, it's on channel <laughs> 780. I don't know. We, we get done with this. I'm going to go to YouTube and just see if I can see you. Um, yeah, <laughs> I had short hair and looked much younger, but yeah, this is me and the band, and uh, and we had a great time. And then the movie got delayed, and it came out the following year for the summer, and it just made so much money. They didn't know what to do with the money. Well, they should have just given it all to you. You would have known what to do. Well, they didn't give it to us, but they invited us to the premiere in three different cities, and we would go there and play. It was just like, oh, fun. it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then I became 
not an associate, but this music supervisor used to call me a lot to give him, you know, guidance about other things. And he would say, like, why don't you make me a music like this so I can post it in such such movie and stuff. And that was fun. And when the movie came out, the band became, everybody knew about it. I had an interview on the uh, Rolling Stone uh, magazine. Wow. Yeah. You know. That's huge, man. It's nuts. The uh, Michael Dorf from New York opened a new venue called the uh, the City Winery. Remember? I remember and that, yeah. He, and he used to have a Sunday morning klezmer brunch. And he hired me two weeks in a row. I mean, two Sundays in a row. The first two Sundays to open that, that you know, City Winery for them. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was celebrity, man. Well, yeah. So well, now I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. I want to no, re- <laughs> reel on. this back in. Let's let's talk about your music and and your inspiration and where music comes from for Gustavo. I believe, Tom. Maybe many of you will share my thing, but I think music is divided in three groups: rhythm, harmony, and melody. Mm-hmm. The first thing that comes is rhythm, and the first thing I understand music through what in, in Spanish called claves. You know, in Spanish, they call the three, two clave or the two, three clave. Anyway, klezmer music, I don't want to say a hundred percent, but the majority of it is, is vibrating into two different claves. The first one is called the three, three, two. And it's like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. Right. Yeah. Right. Very common. And the second one is called the two one, which is a little bit more Mediterranean and it goes like two, one, two, one. You see, it's like more like a flavor of the brown skin juice. So those two, not only, but I'm I'm touching just the tip of the iceberg, right? For everybody to understand. So you know, Latin music, for example, has a three, two, or two, three. You go like one, two, three, one, two, right? Or you set your own clave, right? I want to play in seven eights. I want to play in five eights. I want to play in nine eights. I want to play in eleven eights. In my head, I, I, I have a clave for all that. So I start from a conscious point of experimenting with something. Mm-hmm. If I have a melody, I'm trying to attach what the clave will be for that. Can survive two different rhythms or just one? What is it like, you know, how can I consciously move away from that into a different realm? How can I blend two things? Uh, how can I bring something foreign to this? Or why do I know this melody? Or maybe it's a, it's a harmony product progression that I want to groove into it, but it's like an architect or an engineer in my head. You know, I put things together and then I let the inspiration fix it. Oh, that's clever. That is really clever. I think I'm not the only one, you know, who does that. And most of the time, you know, I said the, the, the clave thing and immediately I come up with, okay, is this melody going to be to the one or starting on the downbeat. Klezmer music, not a hundred percent, but most of it starts on the third on on the last eight of the third beat and plays three eights as a pickup. So it goes like one, two, three, pa 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 da da da. Right? I it's got a you. Three yeah. Eight yeah. pickup, or you can do one eight pickup, or two eight pickup, or five eight pickup, or four eight, whatever. I mean, once you know that, once it's in the in the light. You can pick up this thing. It's almost like drag and dropping. <laughs> right. You right. know, yeah. it's a drag and dropping thing, and and it really triggers. Okay, now I have the A section. Let's do the B section in a different mode or in a different key, or change it from minor to major, mm-hmm. or from major to minor. You know, I know from playing that there's a lot of music um, tools you can use to make the music more exciting. You can stop, you can start again, you can make a break. Jewish music has this break, it's like one, two, 
one, two, three, four. You can do that at any moment when uh-huh. you think people are kind of bored. All right, break. Fra, fra. You, know, you, <laughs> you see, you're already having fun. That's yeah. my thing. It's like, how can I tell you a story in music? I have this conversation with a lot of instrumentalists, like a, a lot of jazz musicians, mm-hmm. a lyricist, the Beatles, I use them as a real good example. They wrote tons of songs and they were all based on mostly lyrics. A musician such as you, you're telling a story without words. That's amazing to be able to do that. The words are in my head. Some okay. of them are made up words. Some of them, but you, <clears throat> as an instrumentalist, it doesn't matter what you play, but when you don't sing, you sing with the instrument. Right. So tell me what you're singing in Guapo. What are you telling us there? Guapo came out as a, um, a collective effort from that House of Blues house band. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. They were like, they were in love with me being Argentinian. The other three guys were like three brothers from uh, from Northern California. I mean, beautiful people, but they knew nothing but black music. And when I came around, I showed them what I knew, and they went nuts. Uh-huh. They were like, wow! You know, like I went nuts playing with them. You know, the, <laughs> the two words collapsed. I love the blues. I have tremendous respect. I think is the biggest contribution to modern music, <clears throat> sorry, to modern music. And he, and he was made in America from this melting pot of immigrants and, and multicultural and m- mostly suffering. Blues in, in my ears was made for the intention to express how tough everything is and release it. Kind of like a, a sacquan psychological event where if you suffer from something once you name it is gone you know it's like uh-huh. my wife let me but if i sing about it it's not that hard you know it's I therapy have no you're saying it's you're I saying it's therapy <laughs> music is therapy of yeah, course yeah, absolutely music is therapy music is how many times did music save your life to oh. me every day <laughs> well every what day. we want to do we're going to play the song guapo and come back and we'll talk a little tango okay Okay. and uh, find out a little bit more with the klezmer juice band and gustavo bulgach and this song is called guapo
Guapo with Gustavo Bulgach of the Klezmer Juice Band. And I've got a note here for bass players. Bass players, listen up. The bag is a high-quality leather gig bag family of products that are handmade in the USA with the finest craftsmanship, with a beautiful, sophisticated, and very cool overall appearance. They're made of some of the finest quality leather and cushion available and meant to last a lifetime, literally a lifetime. They have over 30 years in the leather industry and are extremely proud to introduce this line of gig bags targeted to not just the skilled professional, but also the fun-seeking novice. They hope that you will love their bags as much as they do. It's called The Bag from Tony Vaughn Base Bags, www.tonyvaughn.com. An incredible bass player, too, and he's also from the Boston area. I don't know if you ever crossed paths with Tony Vaughn when you were there for a short while. Gustavo? No, I never crossed. Sorry, I'm, I was listening to you thinking, like, I wish to have a case that would last for my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. So the, the next song we're going to talk about has a real interesting story to it. And I, I, uh, let's talk about this because I love the story. It's called Labresco Tango. It's inspired by Levi Labresco. Is that correct? Liviu. Liviu Libresco was a teacher who was a, uh, a Holocaust survivor from Romania that, um, you know, when the, when, when the war ended, um, Romania would not let any of his uh, professionals leave the country until the late 70s where, you know, a bunch of Jewish teachers uh, and professors, I'm sorry, were able to migrate from Hungary to, um, I'm sorry, they went to Israel. I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, who led them. Anyway, he ended up in Israel, teaching in Israel for a long time. And then he got hired to teach at Virginia Tech, where he was a very uh, beloved professor. But, you know, one crazy day, one of the students came with a gun in a rampage and started shooting and stuff. And this amazing person named Livy Libresco uh, blocked the door of his uh, class to let the students jump and and save their lives through the window. But, you know, by blocking the door, he got shot and died. So when I learned the story, it was like, oh, no kidding. Oh, my God, I'm devastated. The shooting teachers now. I Anyway, so I read about this guy's story and then I was like, it's impossible for me to write a sad melody for this guy. I have to write <clears throat> something to express the beauty of his life, not the tragedy. Yeah. A celebration rather than a dirge or a and and the endurance of surviving World War Two, you know, all that kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to have the mind to go and save your students by blocking the door, knowing that you're gonna get shot. So I'm from Argentina, and I think deeply about tango in terms of the blues. Is the parallel of the blues. You know, it talks about like a lot of sadness and stuff and it's music for dancing and it was developed. Argentina is not the only place that has tango. There's European tango, whatever. Tango is a dance rhythm from the early 20th century that was popular everywhere in Europe. And then it, it got transferred to Argentina where it developed into what we call tango Argentina anyway. So that, you know, I said, okay, is, is sad, undoubtedly yeah. is a sad moment. So I'm gonna add not the word blues, but the word tango. And then his name, Libresco Tango. I didn't know what it was until we talked about it. I didn't know what, what Libresco or who Libresco was, but the music and that name without any preconceived notion of what it was, I just saw the word tango. I thought we're gonna hear a tango <laughs> and the music was so good. And now this comes, my, my girlfriend and I dance all the time. She always wants me to get into salsa classes. We've taken some salsa, you know, the real basic stuff. But she knows the cha-cha, the, uh, I don't know if she knows merengue. She knows the bossa nova. She knows macarena. She knows tango. She knows this and that. And she's like, we have to do this more. And I didn't hear the tango that I remember in the song. So I don't know if that style is another one of those broad umbrella things you talked about with salsa. Is tango a similar style? that there are a lot of different variations of tango. There is actually different variations of tango indeed, 
because tango evolved like everything else. It went from from little groups to orchestras to little groups again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it got modernized. It got, you know, written in modern music. I don't know if you know of a Bendonian player named Astor Piazzolla. He took the whole thing to space. I mean, you know, he, <laughs> he took the old tango into like amazing. <clears throat> Just a whole new place, huh? Yeah, a whole new thing with, with such a passion. And um, I mean, um, it's a very visceral type of music um, that you have to play with a flip, like any any music. I mean, you know, when you hear jazz that is not from America, you know immediately these people are not Americans. And you can tell why. Uh, but I think it's because American jazz is based on American uh, language and German jazz is based on German language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it's different. It's not valid or not valid. It's, it's just different. And the beauty of it is that it's eclectic. Nothing has to sound the same. You know, people who transcend in this business are never looking to transcend in the business first or copy anybody at all. I mean, right. I am convinced that what made me different, not better, but different than other people is my sound. You know, if people can recognize my sound and it's me playing, that's to me, that's it. Oh yeah. We had a guest on from Arkansas uh, just a a week or two ago, Tim Hillwood. And it's with him. The word is tone. He has his own tone. And if he doesn't reach that tone, then he's not, in his playing place Mm. yeah similar so let's listen to this this is labresco tango with the klezmer juice band on the music of america podcast
Labresco Tango with Klezmer Juice Band, Gustavo Bulgach and Gustavo, I have learned so much about Klezmer music, about your style of music, about you, your history. This has been fascinating. But now it's the shameless self-promotion part of the show where you get to just plug away and and try and make some money without having to sell CDs at the grocery store. How's that? <laughs> I know. It's kind of hard. But uh, you can find me online, of course. I have my YouTube channel under Gustavo Bulgach and another one under Klezmer Juice Band. Juice as an orange juice. All right, J-U-I-C-E. And Klezmer spells K-L-E-Z-M-E-R. So I don't have a website anymore. It's so dated. Now we have a... Um, you know, social media pages, Facebook, right. you can find us on Facebook, you can find us in, on Instagram. We do sometimes live sessions so people can see where we're playing. It's very uh, seducing to me to turn on the camera and put it on a tripod and go like, here we go, for the next hour, we're just gonna play some klezmer. And <laughs> against <laughs> my, my idea, people love it and they log into the page and they go like, we having so much fun. It was like, it's 1% of the fun you will have if you're here. But, you know, we're doing yeah. what we can, and one day we'll get everywhere. Um, then, you know, I have uh, on the on, on Instagram, uh, I, I already said, but uh, we also have a page on uh, Spotify. Oh, Klesmer okay. Jews, yeah, Spotify is over 13,000 listeners a month. Oh. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I know. I know. We got we reach up to 20,000 listeners a month during the pandemic. And I am a little lazy, so I don't fill up with new music much. Um, although I have a lot of new stuff that I really would like. My, my quest, and maybe somebody can send me an email at klesmerjuice at gmail.com and answer this thing. It's like, I... I get lost on what to do if there is not a physical release. I have the urge to either release CDs or vinyl or whatever, but nothing seems to be the, you know, the venue to go. People were like, oh, right. no, just post it on Spotify or, you know, do this or do that or make a video. Everything is valid, but, you know, I am craving, okay, give me this solid thing. It, let me sell exactly what you have in there. Uh-huh. I keep CDs right by me because I, I buy CDs. We support local music. Uh, Vermont is such a big, well, Burlington, Vermont, is such a big music scene in the mm -hmm. country. It's one of the best kept secrets in the world, I think, in terms of music. But to support the artist, to support the art, you it's five bucks, man. You know, five bucks, 10 bucks for a CD, whatever. You know, buy it, help them out. That's how you yep. keep this dream alive called music. Or uh, send um, three of your favorite artists, send a dollar a day. And and so I have a lot of pa patrons like that. You know, I also teach this another self-promotion. I mm -hmm. am the director of a Klezmer Arts Institute of LA, also known as Kayla with K-S and K, Klezmer. Mm -hmm. And we started getting together in different locations just to, uh, you know, just people who wanted to play klezmer. They asked me, why don't we do a little workshop? And that became a, a, an every Sunday morning workshop. And then when COVID started, we moved to Zoom and mm -hmm. we grew into uh, over 120 people. And we grew, we grew farther from Jazz Klezmer, uh, we, we, we will do like jazz play along sessions and uh, and all kinds of stuff and Latin, you know, it was great because, you know, you log on on Zoom and I will be like setting up tunes and playing along with you and you will be able to play. I mean, it wasn't a collective effort because nobody can hear each other, but at least, you know, we we navigated through COVID. Now right. that it's over, um, like a group, a solid group of 30 to 40 musicians are getting together every other Sunday. And also once a month, we perform. And That's we perform. Awesome. Yeah. It's, look, I have, I feel like the father of all these people. And every time they smile, I smile. Good. <laughs> Keep them happy. <laughs> There's so many retired yeah. professionals, you know, doctors and engineers and people sure. who, 
are falling in the cracks and they don't know where to play or where to go to play. Um, you know, in California, I'm sure everywhere in the country, you have extensions on university programs that you can do just big band or concert yeah, right. bands or whatever. That's great. But what I offer is so different, so different that even professional musicians come and have a ball. I mean, we just blow and That's so much the music fun. is not hard, but it's fun. Yeah. And you know, and I make it a little bit more hard. I put together some, you know, medleys and these things. So we instead of playing song, 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 we play two, three songs together. And sure. It's fun. You should see the people that are like so happy at the end with so such basic stuff. But I think being a, a teacher for so long, my main thing is to build self-confidence in musicians. I don't want to make them um racers or, or competitors you know right, what i'm saying right, i don't want right. to look at each other into who's better i don't care um, i want everybody to come to the session ready to give me a hundred percent you know yeah, yeah, ready yeah. to give me a hundred percent we play in the havana Aguila, give me a hundred percent we play in obscure ashkenazi tunes give me a hundred percent if you think you can get better you go home you wish you come back and you give me another hundred percent and it's really great. Music is a magical collective experience. Oh, yeah. When it doesn't become a competition, is it, it really makes your life. And I truly believe that I saved a lot of people's life. Well, Gustavo, you've saved this show from being boring. It's been fun oh, and exciting. God. And uh, thank you. And we hope to have you back again, maybe in another season or two or sure, three. Sure, sure. I'll be sending you more stuff, new stuff. Wonderful. Uh, new old stuff. You know, some music I play so old, people think it's new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Some, no, no, youngsters come over and we're like, we love this thing. And they're like, you know, this thing has a few hundred years old, right? And right. we're like, really? <laughs> It's hilarious. Well, Gustavo, thank you so much. We've been with Gustavo Bulgach and the Klezmer Juice Band from Venice, California on the Music of America podcast. Shalom Aleichem. Aleichem Shalom. All right. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.